Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. a cold one. My name is Chris. Craig is not at the bar. Why? He's in Florida, drunk as a skunk after sitting on a beach all day long and enjoying the hot Florida sun. And he joins me mobily through the magic of podcasting. And he's ready to go tonight. Like you're ticked. You're angry. There's something really bothering you. How is it that you're on vacation and you're so upset? What is going on? Dude, I just get upset with Pirates fans. I honestly do. Pirates fans really upset you for being a guy who does a Pirates podcast. Like, you do the podcast for fans, by fans, all Pirates, 30 minutes of bucks, and Pirates fans have you so upset that you're raging on your vacation. Yeah, dude, I was, was like, did not want to, like, I put my phone away. Like, it was on the charger for the longest time, and I pull it up. And I see all these random stats. It's like, this minor league player has done this for two games. This pitcher has done this for four innings. Like, it's just like, basically, people, like, go nuts. People are stat picking. People are, like, picking and choosing their stats to make their points. Yeah, so, like, I pulled up a player, which I think most Pirates fans would, would probably want to like. And this is the slash line. Over the last 30 games. Okay, so over the last 30 games, this is an active player on the Pittsburgh Pirates. So what would you do with this guy? Right. His slash line, he's hitting 229. Uh Uh-huh, that's bad. His on-base percentage is 286. That makes me want to puke. His slugging is 330. Ugh. I think I just did puke. All right, so that sounds really, really bad. So... Based upon those 30 days, we should release this guy immediately. Fire him into the sun. I never want to see him again. Who is he? To Brian Hayes. <laughs> so the point you're trying to make is grabbing small sample sizes and looking at stats is not how you should look at players, especially during a rebuild when you're trying to find the best 26 to help you win a World Series in a few years. It's actually getting annoying the number of stats that come out about minor league players, about major league players, about anybody over like the smallest sample size, one start. It is getting absolutely ridiculous. Like, is there a guy that they were picking on that made you feel this way? Was it like a bunch of guys or was there like one guy in particular that you saw people picking on and that's what angered you? I'm just curious. No, it was it was actually Gregory Polanco, which was like the. Here's the thing: is <laughs> the the guy who's definitely I, not going to be here when they win a World Series. No, but 
it was actually seriously frustrating to me, like the amount of like hate they were putting towards Gregory Polanco and saying like, you should probably DFA him. You should probably, you know, just let him right off under the sunset. And I looked at his last 30 games. You could, you could pull it up the same way you did for Cabrian Hayes and looked what Gregory Polanco did in his last 30 games. In his last 30 games, the on-base percentage is 327. The slugging is 439. The guy has hit five home runs. He's not striking out. He's getting on base. So that's where, to me, Chris, it's just getting so frustrating. Like, everybody is looking for this, like, lightning in a bottle for this rebuild when we are in, in my estimation, year whatever it is, 1B. And they're, like, looking for all these numbers to try to say, like, this guy is terrible. This guy is great. We should bring this guy up. This guy has this amazing outing in Bradenton, which is low A, and saying, this is the future. Do I love these guys? Chris, you know I am a freaking prospect junkie who watches these guys forever. But please do not write an article. Please do not put out a freaking tweet. Please do not do all this kind of stuff for a guy who has one good game. One good week. This makes absolutely no sense to me, Chris. It is frustrating me to no end. And I've been trying to hold this back for like days and weeks. Because I see all these like great, you know, highlights of a guy hitting a home run in single A. Like, I love that. But do not try to pretend like these guys are the answer at this point in time. Do not try to say to me that Cabrian Hayes deserves to play every day when he's hitting worse than Gregory Polanco. I'm going to argue a little bit with you on this one, all right? You Even can argue with me, brother. Let's you're, go. You're drunk and belligerent on a beach. I'm going to argue a little bit with you here. First off, I would be playing Cabrian Hayes every day because the only way he gets better is if you play him. I, I try to find different rebuilds so we can compare, right? I try to find guys that got off the slow starts. If I'm not mistaken, Anthony Rizzo got off to a slow start as part of the, the, the Cubs brother. rebuild. And if if I'm not mistaken, Jose Altuve could not find the magic with the bat early on when he was starting off with the Astros. And I know that Yoan Moncada, I think, hit something like 202 or something for the first full season with the White Sox. And all these guys are major parts of those rebuilding teams who were the first guys really showing up before the other guys got there, you know, and they gave them their at-bats. So, yes, I would give Cabrian Hayes all the at-bats you want to give him because you want him to figure it out. He's going to have a terrible season, whatever, who cares? Let him play, let him figure it out. It's the only way he's ever going to get better. You're not going to send him down to AAA. As for Polanco, you can buy him out for three mil in the offseason, and I think that's what the Pirates are going to do. Oh, absolutely. That's what they're going to do. It. That's that's what they should do. So is the argument that people are making to you get rid of him because they want to clear room and let somebody else play there? Like, what's the point of keeping the guy if we're already done? Because let's be honest, you're not winning the division. You're not going to get a wild card this year. 
So why not just have other guys that might be part of your future come here and play? doesn't need to be your high prospects, but if there's somebody you want to get a look at, wouldn't you rather get a look at that guy than have Polanco go out there and play in the outfield? I mean, I'm not saying they should jettison him into the sun. I'm just saying they could shoot him on a rocket into the center of the sun, and they would, and it would be justifiable based upon where they're at in their team building. If there was a guy pushing him to get off the field, a guy that could make your team, because here's the thing is, Chris, like, you don't want to, I mean, everybody's like saying, you know, there was the big thing, tank for Kumar. Now there's the big thing, tank for Elijah Green. You don't honestly want your players to just play terrible to have that happen. If it happens, it happens. Like, in this shortened season last year, we got the number one pick. We're pretty much the worst team, hands down. So if that happens, it happens. No, I would tank. I would tank, Craig. You want as many top draft picks as you can get. Craig, you can tank for Kumar for a second straight year because the Mets didn't sign him. So you can tank for him. He's going to be available in the next draft. It's amazing. How's, how, how's his arm, Chris? How's you know that dude's arm? I think, arm's physical. I think his arm's going to be fine. I think his arm's going to be fine. You know, I think it, his, I, I don't think his arm's great. The Mets I made a terrible that. decision. And let me tell you why the Mets made a terrible decision. Oh, I, I totally disagree with this. I everybody, totally disagree with this. Everybody gets Tommy John now. Everybody's arm falls off on him. Just pay him the $6 million, Go ahead and let him get the surgery. And in a couple of years, that talent is going to be better than anything else that you would have gotten. You already made the move. Bite the bullet, pay him the six mil, let him go through rehab, he'll be back. I don't think this guy's career is over. Even if he has some damage that they have to go back in and do another. Look at the amount of pitchers that have one or two Tommy John surgeries and still make it into the majors and are contributors to ball clubs or high-end players on ball clubs. Yeah, Steven Strasburg is annoying. They also won a World Series with him in uh, in Washington, Okay. So you don't you don't just like throw that guy away. I would have signed him if I were the Mets. I I think he's a talent. I think they screwed up. I totally disagree with that, Chris. We usually agree on a of course, lot of this. Of stuff, course, you disagree with it. You've been drinking rum all day on an island. You're a mess. No, but I but I've been I've been thinking about this a lot. Like for me, it's not whether they wanted to sign him or not. Like I think the first offer was six million, and then there was like some medical stuff going on or whatever it would be. I mean, you could take the risk for that type of guy. I, I, you could, but for me, I wasn't that high on this guy to begin with. I saw him as a reliever or a closer at some point in time. So what? Take it for whatever you want it to be at that point in time. But for me, a guy that doesn't release his medicals, he doesn't. He's like basically like playing games at that point in time. Dude, I think the uh what was it? The uh for his his uh spot for the Mets was about 4.2 million. They promised him six. And they promised him six. Here's the thing is, Chris, there's a time where a guy has elbow soreness, he has a forearm soreness, and it does not equal Tommy John to correct you know, whatever problem might be there. He had a huge dip in his velo in the middle of the season. 
and you don't know what caused that. It couldn't be like a Tommy John that you could completely correct and he would come back to himself. It could be uh, just a, a an elbow thing. It could be a forearm thing that he may not be able to get that velo back. So for me, if it was like, you know what, Tommy John, correct, six million, okay. But if it's like something that like is a lingering injury that doesn't, you know, correct itself or does not get him back to the player that he was supposed to be, dude, I can't I can't say that I would give him that money because you don't know exactly what it'd be. If it, if it was Tommy John and corrected and brought back, yes. But they're saying like it wasn't bad enough for Tommy John. So then it was something else. All right, here's the problem. You're looking at $6 million and you're saying to yourself, that's a lot of money because I, Craig, would uh, would love to have $6 million. Look at how my life would change. That's a ton of money. Put it in perspective of what we're really talking about with the Mets uh, and, and any, any franchise, including the Pirates. And this is why you could tank for Kumar again this year. The Mets have been paying Bobby Bonilla $1.193 million a year for over a decade, and they still owe him $16.7 million because of all the interest, just because they deferred his contract. The guy's going to die with money being sent to his kids, watch. Even with the potential for Tommy John surgery in the big picture, it's a pretty low risk to give $6 million to Rocker and see what ends up happening, because if the reward turns out to be on the high end, you're going to be very excited to have a guy like that on your team. I, I I just think when you look at it as 6 million, like you and I would view 6 million, you go, wow, that's too much money to give to a guy that's got arm trouble. But when you think of it as he still isn't going to make it to the majors for three, four, five years, and there's plenty of time to figure all of that out. And for $6 million, he's yours for like the next decade. I say you throw the 6 million in because it's very hard to find first round type talents. And yeah, they're going to get another pick next year, but I'm going to tell you something right now. You watch. Kumar Rocker will still go in the top 10 next year. You watch. I'll bet you right now. Kumar Rocker goes in the top 10 next year. Kumar Rocker ends up in the top 100 MLB prospects within a year after his draft. I don't know if he'll make it because you can't bet on all prospects, but he is not just somebody who's already done because he's got a little bit of an elbow issue. He's just not. Uh, I just think it was a dumb move. I'm not saying he's done. I would never say he was done, but I'm just saying to myself, yeah, you could throw that money towards him. Yeah, just go do it. Yeah, just do it. That's what you're supposed to do. Look, I mean, when you're talking about when you're talking about billions of dollars inside of your business, like six million dollars is not that much. I think that's the problem. You have to you have to understand how much money's changing hands to understand what that six million really is in the grand scheme for talent. I know as Pirates fans, forty million dollars is a lot of money. That's nothing to most teams. I think the I think the Dodgers are up to like a two hundred and seventy some million dollar payroll. You know, there, there's billion these are, these franchises are worth like two billion dollars a piece. Six million is nothing. It's pocket change. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. 
It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry, cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. I want to get through the transactions for the trade deadline. I know you're on a roll. I know you're angry, but I want I want to go through them with you because a lot happened over the weekend and it, it could it could really spell something down the line good for the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's a lot of guys that have joined this franchise. So I kind of want to pick it up. We we talked about the Frazier deal. So we already we already covered all of that. And we talked about the Clay Holmes deal. And so we did not get to the Tyler Anderson deal. So let's start on the 28th of July. The Pirates send Tyler Anderson to the Seattle Mariners. And they pick up catcher Carter Bins and Joaquin Tejada. What was your feeling on that trade? Well, this one started kind of crazy because... Originally, he was going to the Phillies, and then all of a sudden there was a holdup. So he's like throwing a bullpen out in a Pirates jersey, out at you know, out in the <laughs> out at PNC Park, which is kind of crazy. And this comes through at it was like after midnight. So people were saying like, was this the same day? Because it would have been three trades in three days. But this was a guy, Chris, which we said needed to be traded. Carter Benz was a guy that, you know, was going to be somewhere. I think they put him like 29 in MLB pipeline. People said he was probably moving up. He had gone up to the next level. He had not performed well in the first few games, but was a guy that, you know, was a decent player. Then Tejada, who to me is kind of a lottery ticket. He's a guy that is down in the lowest of levels, but for Tyler Anderson, who is a rental, like for me, that's a good return. So you get a guy, you know, in bins who, according to MLB pipeline, because there's so many different lists now, was like in the top 30. And then you have a lottery ticket for a guy who you signed for a little over a million dollars to try to turn him into something. Chris, that's a good trade. Like if this does not work out for them, you honestly can't be upset with this because you put very little money into it and you put money back into two guys who could be something. All right. So now we get the trade deadline day. Pirates move uh, a lot of guys. They, they, They move a lot of guys very quickly here. Uh, these sound like minor moves, but uh, I'm going to throw a couple of them out here. Just tell me what your initial thoughts are. Uh, Braden Ogle sent to the Philadelphia Phillies for Abraham Gutierrez, a catcher. Ogle's a left-handed pitcher. What you think? Well, I wrote about this one uh, right after it happened because Braden Ogle has been a guy that I wanted to protect in Rule 5 last year. I didn't have maybe the greatest season in AAA. Like, I saw his whip was a little bit higher, Chris. You know, me and you are a whip train people. So we, that wasn't great. But he's honestly been pretty good in AAA. But this was a guy that they tried to get. Abraham Gutierrez was the guy they tried to get uh, from for Tyler Anderson 
in the Phillies trade. It was a guy that Charrington wanted. This is the same thing as Marcano. Yeah. This is the same thing as Marcano, where it's like we couldn't get him in the you know the offseason when we were trying to get, you know trade in Joe Musgrove. We got Hudson Head. We couldn't go Marcano. So we'll get him. So we'll take a guy who is possibly a guy we would want to protect for Rule 5 this year in his second year, but maybe not. And we'll take a you know, low A catcher who has some promise and maybe try to fit him into that system and build up that, you know, depth chart within the Pirates rank, you know, the the catching ranks. So I don't have a problem with it. Austin Davis left-handed pitcher to the Red Sox for Michael Chavis. Remember, he was a good prospect. Like he was a name. He was a top 100 guy. He basically is coming off the bench and never impressed. And maybe they see something in him where they're like, hey, if we give this guy regular at-bats, he can be something. And this is a guy that was picked by Ben Sherrington back in 2014. See, so he likes him. He's a guy who he likes, he drafted, he doesn't like what the Red Sox did with him. He thinks that he drafted the right guy and they didn't deploy him in the right way. So he wants him on his team because he thinks there's talent there that was wasted. Yeah, because back in 2019, he came up and he hit... I think it was six, no, 18 home runs, batted 254 during his rookie year, young guy, and then over the next two years had less than 250 at bats. And so Charrington says, you know, this is a guy that we may have liked and we'll send over Austin Davis, who we got for nothing. We got him from the Phillies last year for a player to be named later. So why would you not bring that guy in, let him at, let him hit in AAA, and if you find something, <laughs> I mean, he's a top prospect that really wasn't given a shot, and he's still 25 years old. Right. Like, why wouldn't you do that? That's what he's trying to do. Richard Rodriguez goes to the Braves. Bryce Wilson, a right-handed pitcher like Rodriguez, comes back along with another right-handed pitcher by the name of Ricky DeVito. Well, here's the thing. is Bryce Wilson, I, I've liked... Uh, for a couple years now. I I feel like he is a guy who has a decent arsenal of pitches, but he's never been given enough. Like he came up, I believe at 20 years old for the Braves. And he was, I mean, for a Pirates fan, he was Mitch Keller. He was a guy that was brought up and was supposed to be like the ace of the upcoming staff. But he was never the ace in my mind. I've been watching this guy for years. He is a good three to five, if not long relief, which if you can get that type of guy into your system, who at one point in time, I think it was in 2020, he was in the top 100 in fan graphs. You have to make that move. Now, Ricky DeVito... This is the one thing I, I said this on Twitter a couple times. I, I think I wrote about it. I He's had an elbow injury. He's been out since June 8th. He's a guy who has a high ceiling, but he has an extremely low floor. Like, he may not show back up unless Ben Sherrington knows something that the medical staff doesn't. So he's a guy that I believe was about in the 23-24 range in fan graphs uh, when we picked him up. But that was based on you know what he had done so far in single A. 
I don't, this one right here kind of confuses me as to why you would take a guy with an elbow injury who is that old uh, and that low of a class and, you know, bank on him. I don't know. Like, maybe it's just like a shot in the dark uh, for Charrington. I, like I said, Chris, there's times where we can actually, we can actually question Charrington. I'll question Charrington on this move. Ricky DeVito has a, a, a extremely high ceiling, but the dude has not pitched in almost two months now, and he's twenty. Like I think he's twenty three. So to me, that's like kind of like a a little bit of a, a crazy pickup. Is it indicative of the fact that Rodriguez's market had disappeared on him? That that's all you could get because that move was made. I think it was announced after the deadline time had passed. Oh, it was. It was him and Austin Davis were both after the deadline. That was like, this is the best possible deal. Just sign the deal and move on. And if you look at what the the Pirates did after the Frazier deal, where they did a pretty good job with what they got back, they only added one player that currently sits in their MLB pipeline top 30. Sitting at number 30 is Carter Bins. And then other than that, they they added prospects, but not highly rated prospects. And Rodriguez, remember, at the beginning of the year, people thought you were going to get more for him. But his spin rate fell off. Um, I don't think he was as enticing to teams as he would have been back in May. And the best you could get is Wilson DeVito. And here's the thing, Chris, he he wasn't enticing to me for years. Like, you're, you're basically trading Richard Rodriguez, who is a on a good team is maybe the setup man. And if not, he's probably like, you know, that seventh inning guy that you could put in there who would be decent. Like it's nothing great. I mean, I want, I hate to tell people that like, and everybody saw the trades that happened. Like, you know, the deadline with Javi Baez going out with Chris Bryant going out with, uh, Anthony Rizzo. Everybody the Cubs brought up, for me, I hate to say it, I don't care how much control they had, what it would be. It's pretty much... They were like, worth more. They were worth way more than what the Pirates had because the teams that are making those deals are trying to win championships this year. Teams will take a rental of a superstar player over a guy you got control over for a couple of years at this point. You trade those guys with control in the off season, more likely. Or at some random time in the first six, first couple months of the season. You're at the trade deadline, everybody's looking at what's going to help me win a World Series. And the Pirates only had so much they could offer in those terms. Frazier was the guy up at the top of the list. I did see this before we get out of here, my friend. And then I'm going to let you go back to your, your party and on your beach. How long are you going to be on the beach for? Um, I've, I've been here for about five days now. I've got about five days left. Oh, God, your liver must be in so much pain. Mitch Keller has been recalled oh, from the God, Indianapolis dude. Indians. I can't believe we're doing this again. I thought we would keep this kid down for the year and let him get his stuff worked out because every time you bring him up and send him down, when you're doing this every couple of months, it's not good for him, and we're doing this again. What do you think before we get out of here? No, Chris, here's the thing. I don't, I don't even know if you know this because I mean, we, we haven't talked in a couple days here. I was out in Indianapolis last Saturday to watch the Indians play, and who was their starting pitcher on that night? Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller. Uh-huh. And Mitch Keller looked absolutely 
terrible. Why are they he bringing him up? They did. And we said this back in the day, Chris. We said when he went down that we did not want to see him until spring training of next year. So I do not know why they brought him up for this game. Um, here's the thing is he didn't walk anybody, but he did not look any better. Like he had a little bit of, he was like delivering from the windup as a, as opposed to, you know, stretching it out. And he looked a little bit different, but number one, if you're going to set him down, keep him down until whatever you were working on was worked out. If not, you should have done the other thing we suggested, which was to put him in the bullpen, to work him out, to get him, like, you know, pitching to guys that, you know, it would be comfortable to pitch to. A lot of pitching coaches say that's what you do with a young guy, put him in the bullpen for a little while, let him do things in small doses, and work out the jitters of being in the major leagues. But they have not tried that yet. No, so I don't know what they're going to do with him, and that was, like, the big question I had with this after this game that he was up there. Like, you know, I think he had, like, eight hits, very hard hit balls. I think most of them were doubles. I mean, they were just, like, smacked around. And he did not walk anybody. He had a couple strikeouts. But you're not going to really walk anybody or strike anybody out when you're getting up that hard hit of balls. So, to me, like, I just didn't understand why he was coming up. If you were just going to put him back in the starting role to pretty much do the exact same thing that he had done this entire season. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say.